0: Why don't you stand to your feet? Today's a good day to renew my mind, to encourage my soul, to align with truth, and to walk in faith. Amen? Let's say that again, and if you know it by now, why don't you say it out loud with me? Today is a good day to renew my mind, encourage my soul, align with truth, and walk in faith. We are in a series called Building Blocks. This is part eight of the series. It's gone for two months. That's a long series, but Joseph accomplished a lot in his life, and and I just can't turn this off. I mean, this is the last weekend for this, uh, but I've been super pumped about this series. How many have enjoyed learning and walking with Joseph over the last eight weeks? It's been awesome. Last week, Carrie spoke on forgiveness and reconciliation. She told you the end of the story how joseph reconciled and god used him uh for his family Carried it an amazing job wonderful job yeah we need to hear more from her um she found out saturday night that i was not going to be at church sunday morning and she didn't even stay up all night she just had she was so calm cool collected and was like all right well let's do this. Forgiveness is my thing. And I told her there could not be a better topic. Like the sickness could not have been at a better time than forgiveness and reconciliation because she didn't have to study for it. She just had to share what she's already lived and walked through. And so it was a powerful Sunday. If you weren't here, please listen to that. We have been talking about Joseph and at 17, he had a dream and he was his daddy's favorite. And he got a coat of many colors and his brothers were mad. The Bible says his brother's hated him, they threw him into a pit they were going to tell the dad he got uh, eaten and murdered but then they decided to sell him to some Midianite traders that were heading down to Egypt so they pull him out of the pit, sell him to the traders he finds himself in Egypt where he lands in the home as a slave of Potiphar Potiphar is working for Pharaoh so he's kind of an upscale to do kind of guy and then he's accused of something misconduct with Potiphar's wife which he didn't do but she said he did and so he was thrown into prison and he sat in prison and continued to trust God. One day a baker and a butler was thrown in to prison on the exact same day and they had dreams and Joseph interpreted the dreams and told them exactly what was going to happen. And three days later, they came out of the prison. And he said, oh, by the way, when you come out of the prison, don't forget me, remember me. And we learned that two years passed. Two years had passed and the butler had completely forgotten about Joseph until the day that Pharaoh had a dream. (laughs) Pharaoh had this bizarre, like, LC, lsd trip dream of seven fat cows that eat seven skinny cows and seven heads of grain that take up seven skinny heads of grain and he can't make it out and he asks all the ma- magicians what it means and nobody knows and butler remembered I remember two years ago there was a man in prison and I had a dream and he told me exactly what it meant and it came to pass, maybe we should get him and Pharaoh said, I think that's a good idea. So they pulled Joseph up out of the prison into the court of Pharaoh and as Joseph is walking to face Pharaoh, I imagine that he makes eye contact with the butler who had forgotten about him for two years. (laughs) Pharaoh goes on to tell him this dream, this crazy dream that I already said about the seven cows and the seven uh, heads of grain. And, and Joseph said, interpretations belong to the Lord. And then he interpreted it. He, he told Pharaoh exactly what it meant. It meant that the seven fat cows were seven plentiful years, years of abundance. And then the seven skinny, measly cows were seven years of famine. And he said that we're going to have seven years of lots of harvest, followed by seven years of famine so bad that the first seven years are going to get eaten up. Then we get to our text. Now, we already know the end of the story, thanks to Carrie's sermon last week. So I'm just going to back the truck up a little bit. I want to drop you into the The courtroom of Pharaoh, and when he's getting the interpretation, we're just going to peek in on Joseph for a minute, and we're going to learn something today. Is that all right? Let's do it. Genesis chapter 41, verses 29 through 30 says, Indeed, seven years of great plenty will come throughout all the land of Egypt. Joseph is interpreting the dream. But after them, seven years of famine will arise, and all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt. And the famine will deplete the land. Then we're going to skip down to verse 33, where Joseph now gives the solution. All right, he's interpreted the dreams. Now he's giving the solution. Verse 33, now therefore, let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officers over the land to collect one-fifth, that's 20%, of the produce of the land of Egypt in the seven plentiful years and let them gather all the food of those good years that are coming and store up grain under the authority of Pharaoh and let them keep food in all the cities. So take one-fifth of everything we make in those seven years, put them in storehouses in all the cities, disperse it across the land. Verse 36, Then that food shall be as a reserve for the land for the seven years of famine which shall be in the land of Egypt, that the land may not perish during the famine. The title of my sermon today is "Long Range Planning." Long Range Planning. Do I have any proud planners in the room? Come, uh, uh, yeah. It, look, okay, wave at me if you. I know you didn't plan to raise your hand today, but are you a Long-term, pl- you're a proud planner. Just wave at me so I know. Okay, I am too. It depends on what it is. Sometimes I'm fly by the seat of my pants. Sometimes I'm a planner. I get it. Uh, proud planners in the room. Well, this message today is for you. How many are you not planners? You're more the, hey, let's, can we just have some fun? Why do you have to be so rigid and stiff? Take some starch off of life? Okay, this sermon is for you. Father, we come before you today. God, I'm so excited about this sermon. I'm so excited about the life that is in this text. God, I ask that you would inspire us today. In seasons where planning feels like so much work, where planning feels hopeless, where planning makes you feel like a defeated human, God, I ask that you would inspire inspire me today, Lord. God, I'm living this sermon, nice I ask that you would inspire me today. And in that, God, you would inspire your people. In the context where they are, God, inspire us. In Jesus' name, I pray we make a plan even now to walk out of here changed. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Before you sit down, turn to a few people, fist bump, high five. Do something, even if it's just air hug, and say, get ready for change. Get ready for change. How many like daylight savings time? That's what we're currently in, by the way. Let let me ask a different question. How many like the changing of time twice a year? Okay. I see a lot of anger and some faces out there. Okay. So you don't like the changing of time. How many of you now don't like this season we're in, daylight savings time? How many of you prefer standard time? You don't really know the difference? Good. Okay. Let me, let me just explain it. Let me explain it. And, and let me go ahead and repent and apologize to my kids because in, in studying for this sermon, I actually found out I have taught them something wrong. I mean, it doesn't happen often. But I told them that Daylight Savings Time was started because farmers during the summer wanted more sunlight in the evening. Okay, now, some of you are already acting like, of course not. I don't need your judgment right now. I was being vulnerable, okay? How many of you would say, though, that you actually did think at one time it was the farmer reason? Okay, fair. You've made me feel, feel better. Um, kids, that's not the reason it was changed. It was changed during World War I. Uh, and, and left till today to conserve fuel. So during World War One, they figured if the sun in the evening was out longer, then we wouldn't spend as much money on fuel, and to help with the war efforts, we would change the time. And so that's why. It was all because of war. And then World War Two came around, and same thing. We found that it was important, and continue to do it and there were some at some points 1966 1974 different times throughout history where they even extended it instead of 6 months it was 8 months or 9 months or longer hours because they just they needed more cost saving tactics for the season that America was in right so that's why that's why we did it you don't know the difference between daylight savings time and standard time i'll, I'll tell you standard time is this Basically, there is more light in the morning than at night. You know when we first change in November? When we change it, I think it's October, November this year. When is it? I don't remember. Is it November 5th, I think, actually. Um, we, we change it, and that first day you're driving home from work at 4.30, and it feels like midnight. Yeah. Right. That, that is standard time. You wake up at 4:30 a.m. and the lights out. I mean, it's up, it's it's going, and you're like, it, the sun should be down a couple more hours. I like to wake up in the dark at seven, so I feel like I'm getting a head start on my day. Do you know what? I, that way I don't feel lazy. As long as I can just get up before the sun, I'm I'm good. That is, is daylight savings time. What we're currently in. It's darker in the morning and brighter at night. America wanted to change this, though, and last year in 2022, the Senate tried to cancel the changing of time. (laughs) They did. The Senate tried to cancel time change, and guess what? Guess what the Republicans and the Democrats did? They all agreed. It was a miracle. Every single person in the Senate agreed, we must cancel time change. But, because America has a law that we can't have daylight savings time this period all year long, that's on the federal books, because of that, it had to go to the legislation, to the House, and to the President. It's not yet made it to the House, and it's obviously not made it to the President. But we can hold out hope that someday, (laughs) time change might be canceled. But as of now, we can't control time change. Now, I I hope that next time we change the time or you find out that it's been canceled for good and you hear about the vote on time change, I hope you remember this sermon. Because what I want to talk to you about today, I want to focus for a few minutes on understanding the principle of planning and preparation and how that relates to strategic thinking and why it's important to cancel time change. By the way, we should cancel time change. Yes. I mean, I don't know that this is a biblical issue to take up on a Sunday morning, but the facts are clear. There are more heart attacks when the time changes. Primarily from women in spring. Imagine that. So you're safe this year, but next year watch yourself. There's an increased risk of stroke at time change. It should... Crime goes up when time, ch- time changes. In fact, when we make this next one in November, October, November, um, crime is going to drastically go up because it's going to get darker earlier. So when people still have a lot of energy after work, they got a little playground that's dark now rather than that that's light. You know what else happens when it gets dark early? Kids don't play as much. In the daylight savings time, what we're in now, childhood obesity lowers and it increases in standard time. Imagine that. So if you're ever asked to vote on the issue, the answer is yes. I think the left people and the right people, this is something we can all agree on. Cancel time change. There are two powers in life that every one of us have to deal with every day. Two powers in life that you can never control or stop, And that is time and change. Go ahead and fill that out in your blank because there's a word search on the back for those of you that need a little extra activity while I'm talking today. (laughs) There are two powers. Time and change. And why are they powerful? I want to give you four quick reasons on why time and change is so powerful. First... Number one, we can't control them. Anything that you can't control is more powerful than you. Can I get a good amen? Amen. We can't control them. No matter how much we try, these two powers in life are the ones that we can never control. You may try to control time and change with your face creams and injections and nips and tucks and fitness and diet and your midlife crisis car purchase. You may try to control time and change, but the truth is we cannot control it. But man, we should try. Secondly, the reason it's so powerful, these two, these are two of the most difficult components in life to manage. Forget about controlling, just, just managing them. You may try to manage it. You may try to manage your time. You may try to manage the change with your face cream and your injections and your nips and tucks and your fitness and diet. You may try to manage it, but most of us, if the truth be told this morning, most of us do not manage time Very well. Most of us don't manage change very well. Time and change, they can't be controlled and they're very difficult to manage. Thirdly, the third reason time and change is powerful is a person's life is the result of how discerning and wise they are while managing them. Your life is the result of how discerning and wise you are while managing time and change. We become what we are as a result of how we use time and how we manage change. You are a product of these Two things. And then the fourth reason that they're so powerful the key to your future, no matter where you are right now, you may be sitting nice, you, you may be struggling, wherever you are right now and anywhere on that spectrum, the key to your future is the successful management of time and change. I know this sounds like the third point, but it's not. There's a nuance there that I need you to get. Your future depends on how you manage time and change. And for the past three years, I know you have been hit upside the head with new things and new challenges to manage. How to manage your career remotely or limited exchanges or limited dialogue, limited collaboration, how to, how to manage relationships in your family or the birthday parties that we didn't get to have for a number of years. I mean, it's so much so that, like, party cities going out of business. We're having significant impacts in our society economically because of the last several years. If it's happening economically, I guarantee you it's, Affecting you emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and your future depends on how you manage time and change. Can I get an amen? Amen. Now, I just want to simplify your life for you today, okay? Think about this. Today, this day, today, you are simply a product of how you've used time and how you've managed change from then till now. is it? Is it? I don't know if it's good. That's pretty scary because you're accountable for you. I'm accountable for me where I am right now. As a husband, as a father, as a leader, as a financial person. I I don't know. The words are not coming out. My financial standing, my emotional standing, the health of my mind, the health of my body. Is the direct result of how I have chosen to manage my time and manage change. There are no victims here. Come on, we all believe in the God who rescues, yeah? Am I talking to the right crowd this morning or did some of you want to hold on to your excuses? Your life right now is the result of how you managed time and change. I feel the need to move on. The next thing is what you become. This is good news. If you didn't like that last statement, check this one out. This is good news. Maybe you don't like where you are right now, but what you become 10 years from now, it's 2023, what you are in 2033 will be determined by how you manage your time, and the change from now till then. That's good news for all of us because by the grace of God, we can do a lot better than we're doing right now. Let's talk about time for a moment. Time, every minute, every day, every week, every month, every year is a gift given to us by God. That gift is given to us to fulfill an assignment. That means that you were sent here on purpose, for a purpose, but you were sent to do it within a certain amount of time. You don't have forever. Summer's almost over, by the way. Like, summer 2023 is almost over. Whew. Anybody excited about summer? summer is, I, I'm, I'm ready for summer to be over. I thought of a joke, actually. This is my own joke, so it may be a dad joke. (laughs) Sherry will love it at least. (laughs) Do you know how I know that in the Garden of Eden, it was an unusually hot summer when Eve ate the fruit? Because Satan was looking forward to the fall. (laughs) That's a good joke. Because if it's too hot for old Lucy, it's just too hot. Lucif Lucifer. Lucifer. <laughs> anyway, summer is almost over. What did we do with our time? What did I do with my time this week? When I say I, I'm just kind of taking the pressure off of us. You? But you can say I and think about this as well. What have I done with my time in 2023 so far? How much of my time did I waste watching television? How much time did I scroll on TikTok? or Every app, actually, that's the new thing. It's a never-ending scroll. That's why they keep you there. It's just a marketing ploy. If the screen ever stopped, you would wake up and realize you spent too much time, but it's just an unending scroll to keep you hypnotized. This is the truth. I wonder how much of my time did I waste in 2023 isolating myself? How much time did I waste being involved in habits that don't improve my life or my body or my spirit man? Have you ever gotten a gift from someone that you you open the gift and you're like, yeah, I'm never going to use this? (laughs) I do occasionally, but, you know, I open the gift, and I'm like, oh, what is it, and they tell me what it is, and I'm like, oh, that's, that's really amazing, thank you, and I say thank you, and I'm gracious, of course, because that's what humans do. I don't, you don't have the luxury to say you don't like a gift. When someone gives you a gift, the gift you give in return is gratitude, and so I get a gift, and maybe I'm like, I don't like it but I'm like that came from someone's heart that's that's amazing it's sweet that they even thought about me but man I wish it was like a Chili's gift card or Chewy's or something but I take the gift and I'm very grateful and gracious and I think it's sweet but I'll put it away and I'll forget about it but then the next time I see that person I start sweating because I'm wondering if they're going to ask me if I used the gift has that ever happened to you Yes, it's like, um, I don't know, should I just like spray a little mist of it in the air and put my finger in it so that they think I use the clove? Fingy, I said fingy. (laughs) Put my my finger in it so they think I use the clove, but that stuff is nasty. My mother-in-law, Lord bless her, she bought me this soap every year for Christmas. And generally it was wonderful and I loved it, but there are a couple years, they come with different flavors. I can't say the name because there's profanity in it. Uh, but it's a, it, it's a, yeah, I'm not going to say the name. It's a big butt soap, bar of soap. And uh, she gives it to all, all the sons in the family. And we're generally excited because it lasts a long time. And they're pretty nice. But, man, she gave me one one year that literally smelled like butt. <laughs> I, I don't even know how else to say it. It was hideous, awful. And I just was so afraid that she, I kept trying to trade with my brothers-in-law and they're like, oh no, that's, hers. that's yours, that's yours. I don't want to admit when I don't use a gift because I don't want to hurt your feelings. But here's the deal, time is a gift from God and he will ask us what we've done with it. You may be able to hide from your friend, from your mother-in-law, from the gift giver, but there's coming a day when God is going to ask you to be accountable for the gift that he's given to you. Job 14, 5 says, Man's days are limited or determined, sorry. You have decreed the number of his months and have set limits he cannot exceed. I love this verse. It's so fascinating to me. It's almost it's saying God has set a limit on your life that you can't exceed. There's some whole theological questions there on, but can I go beneath it? If I eat McDonald's every day, can I not live to the potential that God had set? God said I can't exceed something, but he didn't say I had to live to that. Interesting, when I was growing up, I had a friend who did reckless, ridiculous stuff And they said, if it ain't my time, it ain't my time. And I thought, even then as a young kid, I don't think that's right. I'm pretty sure there are some poor decisions that I could make today to cut short the legacy that God intended for my life. But Job tells us, that there is a limit, that it cannot exceed. So he set a, a bar to where you can't go past this. And we don't know where this is for each one of us. So it's important that each one of us spend our time and manage the change with intention. Because my, this might actually be tomorrow. Jesus died at 33, and he wasn't even sick. He was murdered. He laid down his life, and he said, it is finished. He used these words, it is finished, because his assignment was complete. And when your assignment is complete, it is finished. And you can't exceed it even if they come out with an infinity pill, come on, Elon, you can do it. Even if God has set a limit that you will not exceed. You know, there was a man in the Bible. Throw some more time on that clock so I don't feel (laughs) rebellious. Just... Make something up. There's a man in the Bible that lived to be 969 years old. Old as Methuselah. (laughs) That's his name. Methuselah. 969 years old. But guess what? The only thing we know about his life of 969 years, Stefan, the Bible says, and he died. We know who his kids were because for the sake of genealogy, but good grief, this cat lived 969 years. And the only thing the Bible records out of 969 years, and he died. What are you doing with your time? Church, what are we doing with it? What are we doing on Sunday mornings? When you're not here, building yourself up, building the family, what are you doing with your time? You get the day off from work, what are you doing with your time? You you have a little bit of flexibility, what are you doing with your time? Your time matters. Time and change are the raw materials of life. These are two things that you can't stop. They keep moving, they keep happening, they define your life. Time keeps going. I'm pretty sure there is a song Multiple songs about time that keeps going on and on and on. Time just keeps going. Don't let it slip through your fingers. But, you know, time doesn't stop. And that's actually that's actually part of the gift of time. Part of the gift of time means that tomorrow is going to look different than today. I used to be broke. And I might be broke again. But one thing is For certain, nothing ever stays the same. That's the beauty of time. Everything has its season. Did you know if we lived right now in this condition and it was eternity, if we weren't dealing with this gift called time, then if you got a toothache, it would be forever. If you had a headache, it would be forever. The gift of time is that things change. They come, they go. We We manage our time, we manage change, but it is a gift from God. Time and change is powerful, and I want to get to my next point today. The principal key to the management of time and change is planning. Everybody who raised your hand earlier, just look at your neighbor and say, I'm a planner. I'm a planner. Some of you are excited to be a planner. The principal key to the management of time and change is planning. The only thing that regulates time and change is planning. Without a plan, time and change will ruin you. If you don't plan on what you're going to do, somebody or something is going to plan it for you. The most dangerous man in Austin, by the way, it's a man by the name of Les. Do you know him? Have you met Les? Dangerous man. Let's go do this. Let's go do that. Let's eat that. Let's drink that. Les will kill you. And the only way to have a defense against less is to have a plan. Les will steal your time. He will steal your talent. He will steal your treasure if you don't have a plan. Now I know what some of you are saying right now, Pastor. You spent this whole time talking about time, change, and planning. Are you a motivational speaker at all, or are you a preacher? Are you a preacher at all, or are you just a motivational speaker? Where's the spiritual stuff, please, Pastor? I know some of you are thinking that, but I I need to let you know I've been sent to tell you today. Uh, That there is nothing more spiritual than time, change, and planning. I am talking about spiritual stuff. Do we not see it in our text? Joseph tells Pharaoh about time. Seven years here, seven years here. Fourteen years Joseph is talking about time. Joseph tells Pharaoh that change is coming. After seven years of plenty, there's going to be famine. There's going to be A big change. So we've got time, we've got change in our text. And to manage this passage of time and massive change, Joseph lays out a... It's what our text is saying to us today, so don't... Don't push too hard on what we might think might be motivational speaking. Sometimes some of the best lessons God wants to get in us are those things that seem so common that everybody's talking about it and nobody's doing it. I wonder how many times do we try to pray our way out of something that God intended for us to plan our way out of last year? Oh, God. Should I? Oh, me. That's what I should say. Oh, me. I see some elbow nudging. How many times do we, we just beg God for breakthrough and a miracle? And God's like, honey, I tried to tell you last year to stop that habit. I tried to get you in the gym three years ago, and now you're wanting... Breakthrough, your breakthrough came in a whisper when you saw that there was a deal going on at the gym. I know, that's too close to home for me. <laughs> but it is good. Long-range planning. People who make an impact on other people are long-term people. I I am, just like many of you, I love the fly by your seat of your pants, jump in the car, just see where the gas takes us. Like, I love all of that crazy, fun stuff as well. But the truth is, destiny and vision and true change come from long-term people. The effect of their life, their character, their integrity is neither momentary nor instant, but built over a long time. God encourages everyone to plan, by the way. God was a planner. The Bible is filled with planning. God tells us that he knew and planned things before the foundations of the world. Did you know that the stars that we look at at night, they actually tell the gospel story? Well, look it up. The, the Jews call it the Masroth. You, you can look at the constellations. I'm not talking about astrology and telling your fortune and all of that with the stars. But you can look at at, at Virgo and the lion and... ...and the lambs and all the different characters of the Masaroth... ...and it tells the story of redemption. And those stars were set in place before there was ever a fall of man. Imagine that. God built a garden and set Adam and Eve there... ...knowing there would be a fall... ...willing to send his son Jesus already to rescue humanity... He set it in motion way in advance, so much so that when he said, let there be light, the heavens declared the entirety of human history. Scripture is clear we should plan. Successful people with healthy relationships that live significant lives are planners. Time and change work for them because the principal key to the management of time and change, is planning. Now, if I close my talk, and I probably should just wrap it up here, because I've I've talked long enough. If I close my talk right here, it would be a good sermon. But can I go just a little bit deeper for six more minutes? I want to take you to the New Testament book of James And here we have people who had something to say, and God had something to say about what these people had to say. And James initiates his complaint by saying, come now. In our modern vernacular, it would be like, come on, man. That's what James, the text we're about to read, starts out with. He says, come now. He's like, you got to be kidding me. You see, the problem with these folks that James wants to talk to them about and talk to us about here today, was their desire to plan for the future. These people were planners. These people, in the beginning of the sermon, would have raised their hand and said, I'm a planner. I'm a proud planner. Oh yeah, I am a planner. But it wasn't just the fact that they were planners that he's addressing. It was the desire to plan that got them in trouble because... They wanted to plan apart from the will of God. So for all you planners in the room that were eager to self-identify as a planner, at the beginning of today's sermon, it's your turn to lean in. You didn't really think this whole sermon was just going to be telling people to plan, did you? In our text we're about to read, what got these planners in trouble was their desire to plan independently of God. And he wants to say to them, come on, man, you got to be kidding me. Let's read James chapter 4, verse 13 through 17. It says, come now. Come on, man. You who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit. By the way, any business leaders in the room, you're going to want to go back to this verse because this is an excellent example of smart goals. S-M-A-R-T, you know, the start time or the specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-bound, smart goals. So you see them all right here in James 4. He says, come on, man. Today or tomorrow we will go to lunch. Lunch, I'm hungry. Today or tomorrow we go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. These were smart plans. They were going to leave today or tomorrow. They had a location. They were going to go to such and such a city. They knew where they were going. They had a duration. It was going to last a year. They even had a purpose. They wanted to buy and sell, make a profit. They had a business plan. So they were, they were managing change, managing time, trying to plan to manage those things. They had a plan. It's not like they didn't have a plan. They had a plan. But James tells us they have something that's actually miss, missing. They had It all worked out. That wasn't the problem. They had a plan. The problem was that they did not allow for divine contingency. Plans need space for providence. Hear me. Hear me for everyone that is trying to make ends meet today. Hear me for everyone who is desperately trying to strategize how you're getting out of this or that. Hear me. Plans need space for providence. Providence is God's way of working things out in life. He is sovereign. He rules over it all. Verse 14 He says, You don't know what your life will be like tomorrow. In other words, you made a plan about tomorrow, but the truth is, you don't actually know what's going to happen tomorrow. And most of us here today have been around long enough to know that in a 24 hour window, our whole world can turn around. One crisis, your entire year can be ruined. One breakthrough your entire year can feel blessed. And so here James is saying, make your plans, make your plans, but remember, you've not been in tomorrow. And that city you plan on going to, you've not been in that city. And you've not yet balanced the books on that profit that you intend to make, but God has been in all of those things. He knows where you're trying to get, so let's just leave some room For him to weigh in. If the Lord wills. If the Lord wills. Here's my plan. If the Lord wills. Some of us. Work feverishly to fulfill a plan that you think is going to make your life better. But if you don't leave space for the providence of God, for the hand of God, for the breath of God on what you're doing, your labors are in vain. So we must not stop with this notion that we're good because we plan. Are we Are we really good because we plan, or are we good once we plan and when we bring that plan and we surrender it to the Master? Oh, how I want to be like Jesus. In the Garden of Gethsemane,
1: he had his own
0: plan, he had his own way of doing it. God, let this cup pass for me. If there be any other way, let this cup pass for me. But if not, that's how I want to be. I want to pursue lofty plans. I want to be like Joseph and I want to use planning to leverage time and change. And I want to be a master at that. And God is going to grow me in that. And I'm going to help you in that. And you're going to help me in that. But at the end of the day, we're going to bring our plans to the cross. No, we're not. We're going to bring our plans to the tomb that is empty. We're going to bring our plans to the creator of the heavens. And the earth. And we're going to give him permission to change our plans, to stop our plans, to reverse our plans, because he sees beyond the vision that we see. Will you stand? Oh, look, I finished right at the timer time today. (laughs) You bow your head and close your eyes. How many of you would be courageous enough today to say, Pastor, you're talking to me. I have let time and change pummel me. I have let it rob me of joy. I have let it steal my peace. I have bowed to time and change over and over and over again It is powerful, and I am powerless, but I know one who is more powerful. How many would say, that's me, Pastor? I I just need the faith to arise inside of me this morning. Thank you. Father, in the name of Jesus, every person that's lifted their hand half this auditorium today, God, we come to you. We come to you wounded in this area of our heart and in our life. We have believed a lie somehow that if we work hard enough, if we are diligent enough, that time and change will submit to us, but it will not. It is beyond us, and we recognize that now. But it is not beyond you, dear God. It is not beyond your power and your ability to guide us and rescue us and sustain us and provide for us and to heal us and to reconcile us. God, we just thank you that even now we have a father in heaven that we can go to who can put time and change in its place. And Holy Spirit can even now begin to download into our heart ideas, fresh ideas, creative ideas to plan for the future. To plan for best case scenarios, worst case scenarios, and I guess as Brian would say, mid case scenarios. God, i thank you holy spirit that you're bringing deliverance to our heart god i ask that we would not just hand over to you time and change and feel that we have nothing to do we have no responsibility in the matter god let us grow in our our planning and our faith and bringing the plans that we establish in our heart bringing them to you and letting you weigh in on them and letting you direct our steps The word says that the footsteps of a righteous man are ordered of you. God, let us submit our plans to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 God is good, yes. All right. Well, thank you for coming today. Uh, if in today's service, you just felt a tug on your heart, you felt an encounter with Jesus, I would love just to connect with you in some way. If you'll scan this QR code, these are different resources that you can grow in your faith. You can get connected to the power of the Holy Spirit and uh, the direction of God. So scan that, or if you don't want to scan it or don't have time right now, you can catch that on your way out at the information desk. Church, can we just celebrate Jesus today? you plan to do, but I plan to eat a good lunch. Now that you've been to church, go be the church. God bless you.